This is The Feed, York Region's only news magazine dedicated to the issues, events, and stories that matter to all of us who live and work here. I'm Ann Romer. This edition of The Feed is brought to you by Peak Performance. If you're a startup, small business, or even a mid-sized enterprise needing professional HR support, your solution awaits with Peak Performance HR. Not every organization requires a full-time HR specialist, and Peak Performance HR offers fractional, flexible, and cost-effective outsourced HR services tailored to your unique needs. Visit peakperformancehr.ca. Coming up on the feed, ready for cold and flu season, vaccines at the local pharmacy, and the Vaughn Mayor checks in. But first, we remember. The 2023 Poppy Campaign gets underway in earnest this weekend, but this year's efforts to support our veterans and show them the respect they so richly deserve seems to have a greater meaning this time round. The Israel-Hamas war, the conflict in Ukraine and other places on this earth that are crumbling under the weight of combat, all while we live in peace here in Canada thanks to our war heroes then and now. Let's get to know more about the Poppy Campaign, its history, its purpose, its significance. We're joined by Brian Harris, Provincial Poppy Chair, Ontario Command, the Royal Canadian Legion. Brian, thank you for joining us. It's so meaningful that you are with us today. Thank you for inviting me, Anne. Let's go way back in time. How did the the Poppy and the campaign and its relationship with with veterans and wars, how did that all get started? The Poppy celebrated its 100th anniversary um, two years ago in Canada. And and it really started around the poem in Flanders Fields that uh, Colonel John McCrae, a Canadian surgeon from World War I, uh, wrote after uh, tending to his comrades uh, um, after a particularly um, brutal engagement. And um, that's where it started. It, it grew in Canada and other countries and uh, has gone through different um, changes over the years, of course, to uh, what you see uh, today that uh, Canadians uh, wear on their lapel. And why the poppy? The poppy is significant um, be, because of the, of the poem and uh, its color and uh, that particular battle that took place in Belgium. Um, all those years ago, and it it just gained um, importance and uh, significance uh, from those early days, and um, people seem to uh, uh, to uh, like the symbolism. So the poppy campaign this year it's underway. What is the mandate this year? What is it that you're hoping will come as a result of a strong poppy campaign? Well, of course, our focus is always on remembrance to uh, to educate um, all ages about the significance of uh, of our um, armed forces who uh, protect our freedoms and and give us the life that uh, we all enjoy in Canada today. The um, the significance this year is, of course, there are conflicts going on, and there are conflicts going on. Um, always, at any given time, there are 3,000 uh, Canadian Armed Forces members deployed around the world. And um, But this year, uh, there seems to be um, more significance focused on it through the news. 
And also this year, Remembrance Day is on a Saturday, so that's highly significant because it will mean that there will be probably more people at their local cenotaphs uh, remembering our heroes. You know, it's interesting. The, the campaign ends on November 11th, and I remember being told, probably by my father, Honorary Lieutenant General Richard Romer, that at the end of the ceremony, wherever you are, whatever cenotaph you're at, where, whatever city or town, you are to remove your poppy on November 11th and put it in an appropriate place. For, for, for our family, it's on my father's wreath at the Queen's Park uh, wall, Veterans Wall. Why is that? Why do we remove our poppies and put them in a place of significance on November 11th? Well, there has to be a start and a stop to um, every uh, commemoration. And uh, it started uh, many decades ago that uh, at uh, remembrance ceremonies at a cenotaph, which actually represents the tomb of our soldiers, to uh, place your poppy on the cenotaph as a final respect on the traditionally sunset of uh, Remembrance Day. Mm. A last thank you, a final, a final um, remembrance, if you will. You touched on just a few moments ago the fact that we are affected by what we're seeing in the news. We're seeing conflict around the world. We're seeing the war between Israel and, and Hamas and, and other countries uh, threatening to get involved. We've seen the battles that have taken place in Ukraine, the war between Ukraine and Russia. And there are conflicts around the world that we don't see as 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 headlines that we do with Israel Hamas and with Russia and with Ukraine. Why does that have an effect on people, do you think, at this time of the year? Well, Remembrance brings up uh, many, many thoughts for many families. I don't think there's many households in this country that, that don't have a family member, a neighbor, a co-worker, or someone who's uh, either uh, involved with the military or was involved with the military. It touches us all. And when there's uh, so much um, coverage as there is um, in, in our modern society, when we, we see these conflicts on our screens every day, it, it does make people uh, think and reflect and um, brings a little closer to home and to heart. What do you say to those listening right now, those who did fight in World War II and other wars that, that Canada was involved in from that point forward? What do you say to them today? We say thank you. We say thank you to their families. And we have to remember that it's not only those who are deployed, it's also their families who, um, who um, uh, have these deep feelings at this time of year. But I think we should remember that although Remembrance Day is on the 11th day of the 11th month, um, Remembrance should be all year round. So if, if some people might say it sounds corny, but when you do see someone in uniform, um, thank them. They appreciate it. A thank you out of nowhere by a citizen to say thank you for your service is really mean a lot. And Brian, why is, is buying a poppy, donating to, to wear a poppy proudly from this day until November 11th this year, why is that such a strong message to, to veterans and to people in, in uniform even today? And what is that message? 
Well, uh, first of all, if I, if I may add, um, the Royal Canadian Legion has never sold a poppy. Poppies are available free of charge to anyone. We, of course, do accept donations, and uh, those donations are, are used to support, uh, support veterans and their dependents. But the, the symbolism, when you see a poppy, it means someone's made a conscious effort to say thank you. And that's every year, and um, I think that's the main message, to, to let everyone know that you appreciate our freedoms, our, our lifestyle that we have, and to thank those who, who fought for them. And I understand that these are modern times, and you have adjusted as well. So if someone does want to make a donation and doesn't carry cash, a lot of us do not any longer. Has there been a, a way of, of making it easier to make a donation? There is. We, uh, this will be the fourth year of our pay tribute program, which is a uh, tap-and-go program. We, we have it coast-to-coast. Um, every year we try to get more of the devices out. Um, that is one way. Also, you can go online, and there's different ways to uh, donate. Um, if you go onto the Dominion Command website of the Royal Canadian Legion, there's uh, my pop and TA and the poppy store, and uh, you can donate that way and get a digital digital poppy, and you can um, uh, display that on your emails or um, just do it because you want to donate, and perhaps you passed the poppy box at the time and uh, didn't have any cash on you. Brian Harris, Provincial Poppy Chair, I want to read you a quote from your website, from the Royal Canadian Legion's website, and I want your response to it. Here it is. Thank those who came home honor those who did not. That is probably the most significant way of, of putting um, uh, remembrance. And um, so when you see a veteran, you see a service member, current service member, um, the first words hopefully out of your mouth would be a strong handshake and thank you for your service. And for those who did not come home, the best way to honor them is to go to your local cenotaphs, um, pay homage to them on Remembrance Day, and uh, say a silent thank you. And remember the freedoms that we enjoy today and that we embrace, and we're so lucky and so thankful to our veterans, whether they are with us today or have, have lost their lives in service. We are, are, we are so lucky to have the peace that we have today. 100%. And, and if I could just say it one more time, Remembrance Day should be every day. Mm-hmm and not just on November the 11th. Lest we forget. Thank you, Brian Harris, Provincial Poppy Chair, Ontario Command, the Royal Canadian Legion. Very much appreciated. Thank you, Anne, and I hope everyone goes to their cenotaph Saturday, November 11th, and pays tribute to our, uh, to our heroes. As a result of the violence in the Middle East, local Jewish communities are very concerned for their safety. Glenn Perkins now with that story. It's been three weeks since Hamas terrorists launched an unprecedented attack on Israel, killing more than 1,400 people and taking more than 200 hostages. As the war continues, what does it mean for the Jewish community in York Region and across the GTA? Noah Shack is Vice President at UGA Federation of Greater Toronto, and he joins us on the feed. Noah, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. 
How safe do you and other members of your community feel right now? Well, we're very grateful for police who have really stepped up to uh, to help keep our community safe and feeling safe. But there's tremendous anxiety and concern. Uh, there have been calls for violence targeting our community. Uh, and we've, we've seen uh, um, hateful words being expressed uh, and hateful actions being taken as a result of some of the protests that have been taking place uh, here in the GTA. Uh, Jewish businesses uh, being uh, targeted, uh, Jewish community centers being targeted, uh, and this is this is just something that should not be taking place in our city. York Regional Police has deployed a second command post to address security concerns raised by residents as a result of the ongoing violence in Israel and Gaza. What does that tell you? Look, it, it, it tells me that this is a time of significant concern for the community, and we're very grateful for the police for stepping up and providing that support. It's shocking that in a place as welcoming and diverse and open as uh, the greater Toronto area, that something like this would even need to take place. Uh, Unfortunately, we're seeing uh, anti-Semitism on the rise. We're seeing Jewish people being targeted in their places of work, uh, in their community centers. And uh, it's it's a a challenging time for our community. And it's a time for all uh, residents of uh, the greater Toronto area to come together say this is this is not acceptable this is not something uh, that uh, the jewish community should be having to bear uh, and to stand against hate in all its forms it was only two weeks ago threats were made against the students at tannenbaum community hebrew academy of toronto three people are facing charges and this is being investigated as a hate crime if that's not worrying enough the accused are all teenagers yeah, listen, we're seeing a lot of hate uh, festering online and people uh, coming to hold very disturbing views as a result of some of the content that's swirling around. This is a, a really dangerous thing that needs to be addressed. People need to understand when they're getting sucked into online hate content and the platforms need to do more to uh, to make sure that, that when these kinds of, of uh hate posts are, are up uh, that, and when they get flagged that they're, they're addressed in a quick manner. I think uh, it, it's, it's truly shocking uh, for anybody uh, living in this city to contemplate that uh, a community is being targeted in this way. Uh, and now is, and it's, but it's not just about our community. It's, it's really a, a challenge that speaks to what we want our city to look like. Do we want it to be a place where people are, where police are deployed to protect uh, communities that have threats against them? Or do we want it to be a place where we all stand up and say, no, this is not acceptable. Uh, Anti-Semitism is not something we can tolerate here and stand shoulder to shoulder with the Jewish community at this time. I think, uh, um, you know, it's resoundingly the latter and we appreciate all the support we're getting from uh, members of the broader community and and Torontonians uh, across all walks of life. But this is a, this is a, a very disturbing time and uh, 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 definitely a, a time of concern. And, and we're grateful for those who are, are taking action to support us right now. No, you touched on it briefly, but I want to get your reaction to the rallies and protests that are being staged by pro-Palestinian supporters. Last weekend, anti-Israel protesters also became aggressive towards police chanting Intifada revolution and attempting to block the Gardner Expressway. 
74 law students at Toronto Metropolitan University signed a public letter which has since been taken down explicitly supporting all forms of Palestinian resistance and alleging Israel is not a country. And there's video of a Palestinian protesters harassing patrons of a Toronto cafe calling for a boycott of the business and chanting Zionist cafe. Are these protesters going too far? Have they crossed the line? Oh, I think absolutely. Anybody who is justifying the grotesque and brutal torture, murder, rape, and abduction of innocent Israelis as somehow something laudable, I mean, that is one of the most shameful things that I've, I've ever seen in my life. How can our institutions not come down unequivocally and hold these people accountable? How can we be in a city where people can call for violence and then demonstrate outside a, a Jewish-owned business, intimidating the patrons there. Uh, how can we have a city where where our students are fearful and are not being supported? This is a really challenging time, and it's time for us to take a stand as a city against these expressions of hate, because it's not just about our community. If we let this stand, it will impact the social fabric of our city in a way that will not be easily repaired. And so now is the time for us to say enough is enough. We can't have any tolerance for hate. Free speech is important. Expressing different points of view is important. Uh, people being able to speak freely about what they think is going on during this war is important. But that can't descend into hate. And we need to draw a clear line that that will not be tolerated here in Toronto or anywhere else for that matter. How will you achieve that? That is the question. And you know what? It's not for the Jewish community to achieve on its own. This is something that's going to require all of us to come together. Uh, it shouldn't be for the Jewish community to end the hatred that's targeting us. It's for our institutions, for our leaders, uh, and we're grateful to those who have taken those steps, who have condemned this uh, unequivocally. And there are many, many who have, co- who have seen this clearly and plainly for what it is and have spoken out and taken action to hold those accountable. We just need to see that done uniformly across the board. In your view, with regards to the protesters, are they Palestinian supporters or are they backing Hamas terrorists? Is there a difference? I think that the ones who are spewing hatred towards our community are expressing the same kind of vile anti-Semitism that is at the foundation of the Hamas terrorist organization and was the motivator for their attacks against Jews in southern Israel on October 7th. And I think there's absolutely no space in our society for that kind of toxic, hate-filled ideology. Um, We've seen anti-Semitism on the rise for many years here in Toronto and across Canada and really around the world. Uh, This is an inflection point where we have to make it clear as a city this is not acceptable. We, we, can't, we can't abide this. What would your message be to those people taking part in the protests? I think they need to realize the damage and the danger that they're causing. I think they need to examine why, you know, the impact that they're having on others. And I think, frankly, this is <laughs> those who are, are violating laws need to be held accountable. Um, we have a, a society that is founded on law and order and justice. Uh, there are expect, clear expectations for people, how they conduct themselves in our society. If you violate those laws, you should face the music on that. 
um, and others need to really uh, reflect on on what they're what they're supporting. You know, it's not everybody in that crowd who's saying these things, maybe, but anybody who's standing beside someone calling out uh, uh, hate against the Jewish community, they ought to be uh, really taking a look at who they're associating with and what they're doing. We this is not a time to be a bystander. This is a time to stand up and say, you know what, passions are high, tensions are high, but hate is a line we cannot cross. Noah Shack, Vice President at UJA Federation of Greater Toronto, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us during this difficult time. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Coming up on the feed, extended hours at walk-in clinics and pharmacy-administered vaccinations. Those stories are next. Do you have a story idea for the feed? Call us at 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer and more of the feed coming up. This is 1059 The Region. Welcome back to the feed. Stephen Del Duca, the mayor of Vaughan, joins us now for a debrief and a look ahead. Mayor Del Duca, welcome to the feed. Always great to have you with us. It is awesome to be back on with you, Anne. Thanks so much. So let's begin with the debrief part of this interview and your statement released shortly after you and Vaughan City Council voted unanimously on a member's resolution that has you standing in solidarity with Israel. Yeah, absolutely. This is, um, it's a very, very difficult time for so many people in the community, uh, in the city of Vaughan, obviously, but you know, we're all watching scenes that are coming out of the Middle East where uh, a lot of it is so, so terribly difficult and heartbreaking. You know, many people who are listening right now will know that here in Vaughan, we have a very large and very proud and vibrant Jewish community. Uh, we are such a diverse city. It's something that I'm very, very proud of. When the news started to break back on October the 7th that there were a series of vicious terrorist attacks perpetrated by Hamas um, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 1,400 innocent Israeli civilians who lost their lives, including, at last count, six Canadians, um, more than 200, again, civilians from Israel who were taken hostage into Gaza. The stories that have come out are, of course, very disturbing, very tragic, very heartbreaking. But I can tell you, in my conversations with members of the Jewish and Israeli community here in Vaughan, it's it's not six degrees of separation. It's literally one or two degrees of separation. Almost everyone I've spoken with has a family member or a friend or someone they may have worked with or still work with who is in Israel who might have been directly impacted with someone in their circle that lost their lives. Um, this is this is something that you know we we can't countenance. Uh, if you believe in freedom, if you believe in democracy, if you believe in the principles and values that have helped countries like Canada, the United States, Great Britain, Western Europe, Israel, and others um, build the kind of societies that we all want to be. And this doesn't mean that individual governments are perfect, but if you believe in those fundamental principles as I do, as the city of Vaughan does, you need to stand up and speak loudly against terrorist attacks. Uh, you need to speak, um, as we did with the resolution that I introduced along with Councillor Marteau, in favor of Israel's right to defend itself, to want those hostages that were taken um, released without any conditions. 
to make sure that Hamas as a terrorist organization is eradicated, is dismantled, whatever the right term is. And yes, at the same time, to make sure that civilians in Gaza and in Israel are are, are are protected to make sure that humanitarian aid can flow both into Israel and Gaza. Those are all important principles. I just know this has been a really, really tough time, and I feel, and I believe the, the, the people of Vaughan feel, like it's important for us to show solidarity with the Jewish and Israeli community here in our city, which is strong and vibrant, and it's helped provide so much to us that we are there with them in their time of need. Mayor Del Duca, will this bring new meaning to your remembrance commemoration taking place on Wednesday, November 1st? You know, I think it's, it's, certainly, it's certainly the backdrop against what so much, so much of the news coverage that we're seeing right now, so many of the conversations that we're having. I mean, I didn't mention this a moment ago, but I will now. There is tangible fear and grave anxiety uh, here in the city of on uh, amongst the Jewish and Israeli community and amongst other communities as well about what might you know this might mean we've seen York regional police step up their patrolling presence in a couple of different parts of our city to make sure that people every community feels completely safe and protected as they always do York regional police does a phenomenal job They've established mobile command posts at the Promenade Mall and a roving mobile, another roving mobile command post that's been in the Wonderland area. We'll be moving to parts of Richmond Hill and Markham over the next number of days as well. I think it's important for us to make sure that everybody feels safe and protected, and in particular, those communities or groups that have been, sad to say, uh, the targets of increased hate and vitriol and discrimination. So in addition to everything else I've just mentioned, it's important to say our city, the city of Vaughan, Stephen Del Duca personally, we stand up against hate, against anti-Semitism, against Islamophobia, against discrimination in all forms. And I think for November the 1st and, and for what we are going to do throughout the month of November regarding remembering uh, people who have lost their lives in wartime, it is important for us to pause and reflect on exactly what we're seeing take place in the Middle East right now. And the Remembrance Commemoration will take place on Wednesday, November 1st at 10 in the morning at Vaughan City Hall on a very special day for so many people in the city of Vaughan and, and for those of us who are watching what's happening. Absolutely. It is something I know here at the city. Oh, this will actually be my first opportunity to participate in this specific event as mayor. Uh, but I've certainly been at the November, uh, November the 11th, I'll say, traditional Remembrance Day ceremony that we have here I've done that many, many times before, but I'm very, very much looking forward to the event, as you mentioned, that's taking place here at City Hall on November the 1st. From everything I've seen and heard from others who have been regular attendees, it is a very, it's a very poignant ceremony. It is so important for us as a city to remember our, our heroes, our war dead, uh, whether it's the First World War, Second World War, right up until the present day, uh, Canadians who literally paid for our freedom with the ultimate sacrifice. It's so important for us to honor them and remember them. Thank you for your words on that. It means so much, and particularly to someone like me, who is the proud daughter of a, of a World War II veteran who still lives Absolutely. to tell the tales today, and we're so lucky for that. So, Mayor Del Duca, let's get back down to business. Vaughn will be receiving over $59 million from the federal government's Housing Accelerator Fund. Not only that... Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau actually made the announcement in Vaughan on October the 5th. You are welcoming, what, about 7,700 new residents each year for the next 30 years. This is perfect timing and good money well spent. 
It, it really is, you know, so I, I do want to thank the federal government for choosing to make this sizable investment. I think it's actually the largest direct federal investment in the city of Vaughan's history, certainly the largest to help support the building of housing or enable the building of housing. Um, so yeah, I was delighted to be there for the announcement, to hear the Prime Minister uh, confirm that we would be receiving this investment. Uh, shout out, I guess, to, uh, not I guess, an absolute shout out to our Member of Parliament locally, Francesco Cerbera, who was there as well, someone who I know has has advocated for uh, for this uh, this kind of investment for our city. Here's the thing, we are, everybody knows this in your audience, we are a very fast-growing community. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people every year who are choosing to invest in Vaughan, to live in Vaughan, to build in Vaughan. A number of months ago as a council, we agreed to the provincially mandated 10-year housing pledge to help facilitate 42,000 new units of housing over a decade. So this is work that we were already doing. We were investing um, monies that we get from property tax dollars to improve our systems, to expedite the approval, the approval system, to develop plans that will actually give us, yes, fast-growing, um, more intense communities, but still give our residents uh, the amenities, the community centers, the libraries, the, the shopping experiences that they've come to expect here in the city of Vaughan. A lot of this work, and we were already doing. We were just spending property tax dollars, our residents' tax dollars from the property tax base on some of that work. When the federal government stepped up and said, okay, Vaughn, here's $59 million over a few years to help you deal with this challenge that you're facing, the part that gets me really excited is this is a potential offset for what we were already doing, right? That's really good news. That takes some of the burden off of our property taxpayers here in the city of Vaughn. In addition, it also helps us make sure that we have the infrastructure in place, and that could be road or transportation infrastructure, that could be what we call water or wastewater pipes in the ground infrastructure to make sure that we can build, and not just build irresponsibly or blindly, but kind of build at what we call a housing supply mix that's balanced, that gives young people who are trying to crack into the housing market a chance, Maybe it gives seniors who are looking to downsize an opportunity to do something where they're not stuck in a 50-story condo necessarily. Again, nothing wrong with 50-story condos, but a lot of our seniors are looking for something that looks and feels a little bit more like the home that they have been able to live in for many, many years. So having a balanced supply mix of housing, really, really important, but we can't make that happen without the infrastructure. And it's really hard for a municipality, even a very a very um, successful municipality to be able to pay all the bills on its own to make this happen. So when another level of government steps up and says, here's nearly $60 million to help you make what you're doing already happen, it's something we are, are happy to grab with both hands and invest it in a really, really smart and creative way to help Vaughan residents as we go forward. Can we talk about Small Business Week? It's a bit of a debrief because For it has sure. wrapped up, hosted by the Vaughan Small Business and Entrepreneurship Team. How did it go? You know, it went really well. I, I can remember being at the official launch uh, right at the beginning of this. I, I love talking about small businesses. I don't know, Anne, if I've ever told you this, but my mother was actually a small business owner many years ago. Later in her career, she opened up her own retail store down at Toronto St. Lawrence Market. So I got to see, like my brothers and sister did as well, firsthand what it takes for a small business entrepreneur to, uh, entrepreneur to take that leap, make that investment. To me, it's really important for us as a city to be there officially to support those entrepreneurs like my mom 
who want to help fire our economy, be that spark behind our economy. Mm. So over the course of Small Business Week, especially this year, where the focus was trying to increase diversity and inclusion within our small business network, at that kickoff event, I saw so many excited people. <laughs> our economic development staff at the city do phenomenal work. Vaughn Chamber of Commerce was there helping support it. 87% of the businesses that operate in the city of Vaughan are small businesses. 87%. So we need to be there to support them, and that's what we did with this particular Small Business Week. Halloween is on Tuesday night. The Treat Accessibly Initiative <laughs> is wonderful. I read about it, and it's fantastic. Can you explain to our listeners exactly what the Treat Accessibly, Accessibly Initiative is? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all looking forward to uh, what will hopefully be you know, good weather and a, and a safe Halloween for everybody. So this Treat Accessibility, it's an initiative that's uh, designed to try to make Halloween trick-or-treating you know, an option or an activity that every single child can take in, and that's a child regardless of ability. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Bonn was the first municipality in Canada, not just Ontario, but Canada, to endorse treat accessibility back in 2021. It's a really awesome and unique program that ties right back into us making sure we are creating a diverse and inclusive city. Uh, so, by the way, your listeners can visit treataccessibly.com to download a free treat accessibly, accessibly uh, lawn sign. There's tips on that uh, particular website or through that email that you can make your home more accessible for Halloween. You can register to attend one of three free treat accessibly Halloween villages in the GTHA. You can create a trick-or-treating station and a location at your home that's easily accessible to all because, of course, some of our trick-or-treaters, depending on their abilities, may have some difficulty navigating stairs or, you know, uneven walkways or, you know, driveways or garages that aren't necessarily particular, particularly accessible. So there's a whole bunch of creative options for people to be able to take advantage of. Um, and I think it's really, really important. We, we know, and in all of my work, both in this job and in my previous political jobs, we know that people with a wide variety of abilities, uh, those numbers are growing. And I think as a city, it's incumbent upon us to make sure that we are not inadvertently cutting people off or not giving them an option to participate in something as really as incredible as trick-or-treating, an experience that I still look back on fondly from my childhood. And my daughters, who are getting just a little bit older, they still like to go trick-or-treating too or go with my younger nephew. So we want to make sure this is a, a really fun experience for everybody, every single child and family, regardless of ability. Last but far from least, November 15th will mark one year in office for you. How do you think the year has gone so far? Well, first, it's gone really quickly, I have <laughs> yes. to tell you. It feels like it was just a few weeks ago that we were at the, the inauguration. I, I think on balance, it's going well. We have some challenges in the city, not, not unlike our neighboring communities. There are issues relating to community safety, uh, issues that we see with explosive growth, and sometimes that can be difficult for our existing residents to, to handle. Obviously, still transportation challenges on a lot of our roads, something I am determined to start fixing. We've begun that. But I listen, Anne, I love the city of Vaughan. I, I learn things about our city every single day that I didn't know before. I love being, you know, dropping my kids off at school and hearing from parents, being at the supermarket on a Saturday morning and hearing from residents. Everyone is very friendly, very caring, very compassionate. I think we have something pretty awesome happening here in Vaughan, and I want to make sure I can do my small part with my council colleagues 
to make sure we are harnessing that and purposing it towards a really incredible future. Congratulations, Mayor Stephen Del Duca, and thank you so much for giving us your time today. We'll talk in November. Sounds good, Anne. Thank you very much, and you take care. And you as well. Thank you. Pharmacies across York Region have COVID and flu vaccines on standby. Shaliza Backus with the details. Well, it's about that time of year. The sniffles, the cough, is it a cold, the flu, is it COVID? There are so many ways that people in Ontario are trying to protect themselves from all of these viruses and more. A main way to do that is through vaccinations. It may be a little easier to get a shot this year as pharmacists now have more authority to administer treatment for common ailments. And joining me now to discuss this is pharmacy pharmacist Akil Najafi. Welcome to the feed. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. All right. So let's start off with the whole idea of vaccinations. I mean, we've definitely been through it with vaccinations over the last few years, to put it lightly. So do you find that there is any hesitation uh, around whether to get a flu shot, a COVID vaccine or both? Uh, no, I mean, there's there's always going to be hesitation. There's always there's always going to be people who are concerned or have questions. The important thing to remember, especially now uh, after everything we've gone through and everything we know, vaccines are, are still the, the most effective way to prevent illness, to reduce the spread, to protect those people who could be the most susceptible or to, who may have the worst reactions to these viruses. And um, I think a, an important thing is it reduces the potential strain that it would have on our healthcare system as, in general. And with that being said, how many Ontarians do you expect to get vaccinated then? Despite all of the hesitation that people might have brought up, more than half of Ontario public said that they would be getting the flu shot this year, as well as the COVID vaccine. It's great to see that, and uh, it's important for that number to be out there so people are aware that it's something that we are keeping in front of our mind, and we're, we want to do our best to protect ourselves and, and the community around us. Definitely. And is it more helpful to be getting both shots or will one kind of work for all the viruses? No, I mean, the, the, the vaccines exist independently. So you have a COVID vaccine, you have a flu vaccine. Uh, those exist because they're specific for the virus that they represent. So uh, it's important to get vaccinated against each one. And the recommendations uh, are that you can get both the COVID vaccine and the flu vaccine at the same time, as long as they're available. So it, it you know, it saves you the time from having to go back in, uh, get them both done. And an important thing also to remember is with the flu vaccine is it, it takes a couple of weeks before it's really working. So the earlier you get it done, the better protection you have when flu season is at its peak. Now, tell us a little bit about vaccine fatigue. I mean, I know it sounds a little scary to be getting two vaccines at the same time. So are there any side effects associated with that? I just want to reiterate that even though people are probably tired of hearing the word vaccine and, you know, having to get them, the numbers show that people do want to get vaccinated. They do want to protect themselves. They do know that it's the best way to prevent illness. The side effects from the flu shot itself are uh, pretty mild. I mean, um, most commonly you have that pain in the, in the arm that you might have that you would have received the, the uh, injection in. Sometimes you get a mild fever, a mild headache, but nothing significant um, and nothing to really be concerned about. Good to know. And 
I mentioned this off the top, you know, pharmacies are really coming through and helping out, helping to ease the tension with a lot of uh, vaccine administering. Do you feel like the crowds are kind of going to be split between doctors and pharmacists? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, uh, year over year, you're seeing more people looking to pharmacies to get the vaccine done because we're accessible, we're available. You know, more people are coming to pharmacies for, for other things like the uh, the minor ailment program. So because we're seeing more patients, patients are more, you know, uh, willing or ready to get the vaccine done at the same time. And it's something that's important and, and it shows the, the value that the pharmacist has in the healthcare team. It's great for us to be able to assist the community. Yeah, and that was going to be my next point as well. The value of pharmacists, as you mentioned, they are able to provide care for a number of ailments, not just vaccines. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so the, the minor ailment program started several months ago, and it's something that, that pharmacists are, are really um, excited. And I, I myself, I'm, I'm glad that it's available for us so that when patients may be suffering from what we consider a minor ailment, uh, urinary tract infection, yeast infections, acid reflux, acne, just to name a few, they can contact their, their local pharmacist um, and uh, review it with them, have an assessment, and the pharmacist can determine if they require a prescription to treat whatever this minor ailment may be. And it's something that pharmacists have been doing for as long as I can remember. You know, patients have that trust in their pharmacist and should have that strong relationship with them where they they come in, they can ask these questions. The only difference was we couldn't actually do anything about it in the past and we had to refer them to their physician if it was required. Now patients can come in and, and be assessed and hopefully be treated if necessary. It just shows our value to the healthcare team and eases the burden on healthcare in Ontario in general and allows patients more access to timely healthcare when necessary. It definitely does. Akhil Najafi from PharmaSafe, thank you so much for joining me. And if our listeners want to get some more information about vaccines and about what pharmacists can do for you, where can they go? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the best thing is to to contact your local pharmacy. PharmaSafe.com is, is a website for our PharmaSafe stores. There's lots of great information there. Um, you can reach out to any of your neighborhood pharmacies and, and uh, ask them about anything we've discussed. And I'm sure they'd be glad to help you. Amazing. Akhil, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Over to Jim Lang next and the extended healthcare clinic hours for cold and flu season. Our friends at Oak Valley Health, formerly known as Markham Stobel Hospital, are doing some great work this fall to keep us healthy, especially when we're getting to the upcoming flu and respiratory illness season to talk more about it. Thrilled to be joined by Terry Stewart McEwen, the VP of Clinical Programs and Chief Nursing Executive at Oak Valley Health. Terry, how are you? I'm very well, and how are you? Well, fine, thank you. Uh, I like October. I like fall. I like this time of year. However, it comes with a caveat, and that is we are getting into that flu and respiratory illness season, and we need to protect ourselves. Absolutely, and uh, that goes without saying. That goes for all members of our community, our, our little ones, our elderly, and everybody in between. Now, you have something really cool happening with Well Plus Compounding Pharmacy and E-Y-R-N-D-O-H-T to expand the services to community health clinics in Wichert Sobel. Tell the listeners about it, how that expansion is going to help keep us healthy through the fall and winter season. So um, the Oak Valley Health, uh, really in partnership with the Eastern York Region North Durham Ontario Health Team, have um, 
really uh, enhance the offerings uh, that we have in Stouffville now of a community health clinic that really offers services specifically for patients from six months of age and older. And really just to expand that, uh, we uh, started, this is a sort of the learnings that we've had over the last number of years of really making sure that our uh, emergency departments don't get bogged down with people who are having, you know, you know, maybe some tough symptoms with their respiratory uh, illness, their cough, their cold, their flu. Uh, it's specifically um, with an expansion uh, this recently for our little ones. And so really to support our parents and our children, um, especially with uh, the increase with um, back to school. And Terry, I know all the research and what the experts in you and your staff at Oak Valley Health, you've openly talked about you're anticipating what you're calling a very challenging flu and respiratory illness season. Why is that? Well, I think it's the convergence of those uh, sort of uh, the typical uh, time of the year when uh, schools are back. We have RSV, which is, you know, a typical virus for our children. But then equally, we have our cough and our cold. And obviously, our COVID has never gone quite away. So I think it's just that what I call a bit of a you know, um, a storm of all of those viruses uh, in, in common places. I mean, masks are, you know, sort of, uh, a, we're, you know, sort of not uh, as prevalent as, as before. And mm-hmm. so I, I think you're just starting to see a, a challenge of all of that coming together. So um, we're really anticipating, um, you know, that we want to get ahead of that before, uh, you know, it's sort of people get very ill and, or, and present into hospital with more serious illness than they, than they need to be. Indeed, speaking with Terry Stewart McEwen, the VP of Clinical Programs and Chief Nursing Executive of Oak Valley Health. If you want to book your appointment, you can go to oakvalleyhealth.ca to book your appointment. You can be in person or virtual. Uh, there's pediatric care. And let's face it, there are so many 60 and over people now in New York region that does become a concern at flu and respiratory illness season, Terry, to make sure they're protected before it can become a dangerous illness. Absolutely. And so, again, in combination with our clinics, with um, our family docs in our communities, with public health, you know, again, all of the all of the resources that we have come to bear, vaccinations for both flu, for COVID, um, and all of those, you know, good hand hygiene, all of those really smart um, things that we want everybody to do, and specifically in our elderly population, is really protecting them, um, really reinforcing the flu vaccine this year. We know for sure that the the, all the evidence that we've seen from our southern partners in Australia is that the flu vaccine is, is um, anticipated uh, to cover off a lot of what we are seeing in the community already. So it's a, it's a real reinforcement to, for our grandparents and for our parents uh, to make sure that they get their flu vaccine as well as our children. And, and uh, if you have to have another COVID shot, uh, it's a good time as well. And Terry, I'm so glad that you're on now because there's so much disinformation uh, in the internet, in social media about vaccines, about getting a shot. And this is just common sense. We've been doing flu shots uh, as Canadians for decades. And so just because some people weren't crazy about COVID, it doesn't mean you shouldn't get your flu shot to protect yourself. Absolutely. I can say that I have had a flu shot myself for the last 20 years. Um, And, uh, you know, I think it's just a good preventative uh, mechanism uh, for what we always know is 
every season uh, we have flu, they, COVID or no COVID, and this is always a good uh, shield for, uh, you know, even if you get mild symptoms as opposed to a full, um, you know, flu, which is always can be very serious in our immunocompromised patients, people having chemotherapy, our elderly. So it's just another um, tool for our toolbox. Book your appointment, oakvalleyhealth.ca. Uh, Terry Stuart McEwen is one of the great people that run North Oak Valley Health and keep us safe, especially as we enter the flu and respiratory illnesses and get protected. Terry, thank you so much for your insight and thank you and your team for what you do every day. And thank you and thank you to all your listeners and uh, stay, uh, stay well and stay safe. After the break, sounds of the season. Follow us on Twitter at 1059 The Region. Ann Romer and more of the feed after the break. This is 1059 The Region. Welcome back to the feed. I'm Ann Romer. Okay, you may not be thinking about the holiday season just yet, but the York Harmony Chorus is already in rehearsals. Christina Lavecchia with the musical notes. Forming in 1970, York Harmony Chorus is devoted to women's empowerment through education, friendship, and a cappella singing. Under the direction of Master Director Martha DeClerc, the a cappella group has qualified for a wildcard spot at the 76th Annual Sweet Adeline's Convention and Competition in Kansas City in 2024. And in less than a month's time, the York Harmony Chorus will be kicking off the holiday season with their Magic of Christmas concert. Martha DeClerc joins me. Hi, Martha. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, thank you very much for speaking with me today. Let's start off by telling listeners a bit about your Carmony Chorus and its connection to the Newmarket community. Sure. Well, we're just over 50 years old, the entire chorus. Not that all of us are over 50 years old. Um, we are actually in the Newmarket area. We sang for many, many years at the Fire Hall on Main Street. And then there were some changes going on within the building, so we found a new spot. We are at Sharon Hope United Church, just on Leslie. Um, we sing four-part a cappella. We are a uh, women's a cappella group. So we open up our doors to anybody who is interested in singing. Um, again, it's four-part a cappella, so we sing without any instruments. It's all vocal. We love to dance at the same time. Our genre is a little bit more in the Broadway terminology, so we love to sing some great swing Broadway tunes. We have an eclectic arrangement of music. Martha, you joined York Harmony Chorus in 2001, and since then, the group has won multiple awards, including more recently, um, as I mentioned in my intro, uh, you are Region 16 AA Division Champions, which qualified the group for a spot in the 2024 International Competition in Kansas City. Congratulations. Thank you very much. We're very excited to do this. And tell us a bit about your journey that led you to joining the York Harmony Chorus and how the group has evolved over the past 20 years. 
Oh, awesome. Well, I've been singing in this organization for, oh, close to 28 years. I actually started in Ottawa with a chorus that's now called Canadian Showtime Chorus. And then my husband and I moved to Toronto, and I ended up singing for 13 years with a chorus right in Toronto called North Metro Chorus. While I was there, they contacted me saying a spot was available for directing up in the New Market area. Um, I've also been in the leadership of the music side for both of those other two organizations. So I gave it a try, and for the past 20-some-odd years, we have been on a very magical musical journey. Uh, was last year, I believe it was. We actually sang in the international mid-sized division in Phoenix, Arizona. That was the international one, and we came fourth in the world. So it's very exciting. We're on a different path this time, going into Kansas next year, where we're in a very large competition. In addition to preparing for and winning competitions, your Carmony Chorus has an annual Christmas show. Tell us a bit about the magic of Christmas concert. Sure. Well, it's November the 25th. It's one month out from our lovely Christmas Day. Um, it, we're doing two performances. So it's Saturday, November the 25th. There's one at 1 o'clock and there's one at 3.30. It's going to be in the Victoria Baptist Church just up on Young Street, uh, corner of Young, and I believe it's Green Lane. That's where we're going to be going. And, uh, yeah, we're doing two shows. We have a, a fantastic fantastic arrangement of Christmas music. We have a guest performer called King and Davis. They're a wonderful duo. We also have one of our main um, quartets within our chorus called On Track. They're going to do a couple of songs as well. And we have vendors and it's just going to be a lovely Christmas day. Where can listeners get their tickets? Sure. Um, tickets are $25 each, and I'm going to give you, we have a our very own um, email address. It's called ticketsyhc at gmail.com. So it's ticketsyhc at gmail.com. And um, you email them, and then our person who's taking care of all the tickets will be in contact with you to get you some tickets. If listeners are interested in learning more about your Carmony Chorus or possibly joining, what's the best way they could do that? Okay, um, definitely. First of all, we rehearse every Tuesday at the Sharon Hope United Church. Um, and we we have an open-door policy. We do run membership drives during the year, um, but our doors are open if anybody is interested in coming out and seeing who we are, what our culture is, what we do, how we perform. And um, we have you can contact us at YHC membership at gmail.com they can go to our website our website which is York Harmony Chorus will contact you we'll talk to you a little bit more about it and uh, yeah we'd love to have more people come out we're always looking for people who are interested in singing I think one of the things that I should mention is that you do not have to read music to be able to sing with us um, we have learning tracks we have people who help you to learn the music. Um, we do perform without music in hand. Oh. <laughs> so it's a lot of memorizing of music, notes and words, but we have a great time and we have a good support system to help everybody learn how to do it. That sounds great. Martha, it was a pleasure speaking with you and learning more about the York Harmony Chorus. Thank you for joining me on the feed. Thank you so much. 
If you missed any part of the feed, please go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you so much for listening.